Father, I pray that today your word will speak. I pray that your word will speak clearly and directly to our hearts. I pray that you take the lance of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you will lance our cold heart. I pray that you will cut us to the quick. That we can see no way but yours, no will but yours. Help us today, Lord, not just make this another service that we've endured, but help us to see your will and your way and the answers to your questions that we will embrace your future. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can go ahead and take your Bible and turn to John chapter 21, if you will. We're in the middle of what I think is a serious series of messages entitled Life's Important Questions because all the questions come from the Bible. We'll finish the series tonight. A longtime pastor at Russell Street Baptist Church in Marietta, Georgia, a mega church in that town, Nelson Price was right when he said these words, Jesus Christ often endures our embarrassing abuse Denial and betrayal, only to return to us compassionately to restore us to an even more meaningful love relationship with him. Aren't you glad Jesus don't give up on us? That said, and as true as that is, the road between our fall into sin and our restoration to him is a road that is difficult, seems too difficult for many of us to traverse. I mean, he offers us forgiveness. He wants to forgive us. He even died to forgive us. But somehow, the caveat between our sin and his forgiveness gets lost on humanity. I would call it the road less traveled. Because, you see, the more I read God's Word, the more I dig into His Word and the seriousness and the truthfulness of it, and particularly in the culture in which we find ourselves, here's what I discover. Without full, complete, wholesale repentance, there can be no forgiveness. You can't just elbow your way in with the Lord. Repentance is a matter of heart. Repentance is a matter of life. One's heart's got to be so broken over his sin, by his fault, by his failure, by his sin, that that person is willing and ready to turn from their sin and turn to Christ. And at that point, forgiveness rolls out like water over a waterfall. Until then, there's not much forgiveness. We've been talking about questions in the Bible. Thus far, we've dealt with three. 
Two weeks ago, we began the journey with how long will you tarry between two opinions or halt? How long will you hesitate? How long will you falter between two opinions? Will you serve the God of this world or Jehovah God? That night, we heard God ask, what are you doing here? Last Sunday morning, we heard Pilate's question, what shall I do with Jesus? This morning, we come to a very familiar story in God's Word. Most of us have heard it since Sunday school. When we get to chapter 21, <coughs> here's some of the surrounding things we know. Jesus has already been betrayed. He's already been crucified. He's already been buried. He's already resurrected from the grave. He's probably walked on the, on the earth alive for about 40 days. But... For the group that we're going to talk about today, those 11 disciples, Judas has already committed suicide for those 11 disciples. You know what they remember? Crucifixion day was not their finest hour. For you see, the previous night in the upper room, around the table, when Jesus was trying to tell them what was going on, they really weren't listening. And in fact, Peter said, Jesus Everybody else may run away from you. Everybody else may abandon you. Everybody else may leave you. But, buddy, you can count on me. After he said that, obviously the leader spoke up, so the rest of them said, us too. And then when Jesus gets arrested, do you remember? Nine disciples cannot be seen, cannot be found. The two disciples that can be seen, we know where they are. It's John, it's John and Peter. They worked their way because of John's connection inside the courtyard. They worked in there, but, Pete, but John is noticeably silent. And when Peter is confronted, Peter not only denies Jesus once, he not only denies Jesus twice, but, but if the Scripture says, speaking a curse, he denies him a third time. Guess what? And Peter knew that Jesus knew what he had done. Because we're told in Scripture that when that stupid rooster crowed, that Jesus turned to look at him. Scripture says that Peter went off and he wept bitterly. That's the only time. Matthew and Mark are the two, excuse me, Matthew and Luke are the two that that record this word bitterly, and it's the only time that this word, how Peter wept, it's the only time it's used in Scripture, and it means that he was a broken man. It means that he had a broken heart. It means he had a bleeding heart. It means that when he walked off by himself, he was a basket case. I don't know about you, but when I read the Gospels, it seems to me that after Peter went off to cry, it seems to me that most Gospel writers... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had basically given up on Peter ever amounting to anything after that. And you get to John, if you go back to the end of the 20th chapter of John, you get the distinct impression that John was ready to end his gospel. And it's like the Holy Spirit whispered in his ear and said, John, let's don't forget. Let's don't forget Peter. Because you see, Peter... In the courtyard denying Jesus. Peter down here on the seashores, we'll read about in just a second, becomes Peter of Pentecost, where he preached and 3,000 people were saved. 3,000 people were not going to hell. 3,000 people were a member of the family of God because Peter stayed the course. 
Chapter 21, it's a very interesting chapter. Jesus has been, as we said, buried and resurrected, walking around, and they're sitting around on the seashore. This was a comfortable place for at least four fishermen and probably the rest of them, a comfortable place. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. And then it says they got in, the rest of them said, we're going with you. So they got in the boats, and uh, there were at least a couple of boats there because there were two fishing businesses represented. And they got in the boats, and they went out, and the Scripture records that they fished all night and caught nothing. Now, let me just say this to you. There's so many rabbits we can chase in this story, but there's some things that I just don't want to pass over. When Peter said, I'm going fishing, he was saying, I've given this long enough. I've been on this, I've been in this church long enough. It's time for me to go back to what I knew. There was life before Jesus, and there'll be life after Jesus. Now, before you get too hard on Peter, we need to look around us and see what we do sometimes. Things get hard, do we abandon him? Well, you know, Peter's the leader, and he says, I'm going fishing, so the rest of them pile on there, catch nothing. So why did they catch nothing? Here's why. Please listen. When you get outside of, of the Lord's will, when you abandon Jesus, when you go back to what Jesus, not what Jesus has told you to do, but what you want to do, most of the time you are come up with your net empty in life. And then as the story goes, dawn began to break and Jesus came. He said, have you caught anything? You think Jesus needed to ask them whether he, they'd caught anything? He knew they hadn't caught anything. He wanted to hear them admit, no, we caught nothing. Cast your net on the right side of the boat. And you know what, folks, that was a big deal. Because they didn't have all the hydraulic winches and all the mechanism that's today. Put that net down, bring it back up, was a chore. And they had put it down a lot that night and caught nothing. But yet at their word, at Jesus' words, and they didn't know it was Jesus at that time, they let their nets down. And the Scripture records that they that they retrieved, that they caught so many fish that they couldn't even bring the net in. And that tells us this principle. Just like when your life gets away from Jesus, your net will come up empty. If you listen to the Lord Jesus, what he wants in your life, your net will come up full every time. Through a series of events, they went to the shore. And Jesus was sitting there doing what he does best. You remember he fed the 5,000 with just a few Loaves and fishes, he's there fixing breakfast. And they come to shore and they begin to eat. Hmm. How sweet it must have been to eat, the, eat the food prepared by the hand of the master cook. And so now, and so now they sit around the fire eating. These guys, these 11 guys, had given Jesus three plus years of their life. And yet when trouble came, they abandoned him. Jesus looked around at those disciples, knowing that they probably were hurting inside. He looked at Peter. His heart ached for Peter because he knew what Peter could be. Before we read and get into our our message, may I just wonder tonight or this morning, Does Jesus look at you and ache 
because he knows what you can be. John 21, verse 15. Would you stand in to honor the reading of God's word? And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He, Jesus, said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk whatever wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he, Jesus, said to Peter, follow me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will pierce the air. I pray that you will invade this building. And I pray that you will change our hearts where they need changing, that you will restore us if we need it, that you will regenerate us if we need it, that you will revive us if we need it, But most of all, help us come face to face with the question before us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The disciples were sitting around the campfire with Jesus. Just much like we're sitting here. It was a friendly crowd. Of sorts. And Jesus, like only he can do, asked a question. The question is, do you love me more than these? Jesus asked that question as only he could ask it to Peter. But here's the truth. Today he asked that question of every person in this room. Do you love me more than these? I want to suggest to you this question falls into three categories. First of all, first of all, it's a hard question. It's a hard question. We don't like hard questions. Most of us want easy questions. We like those easy questions. What's your name? 
Teddy, you can't answer that, can't you, buddy? What's your name? We like, what did you do yesterday? What did you have for dinner last night? Did your team win yesterday? Who is your team? We, we, we like all those easy questions. We really don't want to deal with the hard questions, but please listen. Jesus is a life changer. Jesus is a life giver. Jesus is a life redirector. And to do those things is not easy. Here they are around, around the campfire. And I want you to think about that atmosphere. They got around the, the campfire. They're eating food. They're having a good time. There's probably a lot of small talk going on because nobody wants to talk about the elephant in the room. What is the elephant in the room? Everybody had deserted Jesus. And those who didn't desert Jesus... John sat there with his mouth closed, and Peter denied him. Peter not only denied him, but he denied him in such a forceful way as to convince the world. As I see that picture, you know, I'm reminded of in the upper room, you had Jesus and you had Peter and John closest to him. I want to suggest to you, submit to you, this is my glorified imagination, that around this fire, Peter was not sitting right next to Jesus. In fact, I want to suggest to you that he was probably sitting on the opposite side of the fire. Isn't that where we sit normally when we, when we disappoint someone, when we know there's something wrong? I can imagine him sitting there and, and eating, munching. And every now and then he'd give Jesus just a little glance. And then Jesus breaks the silence and he says, Simon... Do you love me more than these? Than these. What was he talking about? Well, he could have pointed to the disciples, the other ten. Simon, do you love me more than these guys? I mean, I mean, they left me, they abandoned me, but you denied me. Could he have been talking about the disciples? Possibly. Could he have said Do you love me more than these? And pointed to the boats and the fishing. I'm going fishing. Could have pointed to that former life. Peter, do you love me more than these? I mean, when Peter said, I'm going fishing, it's almost like he said, boys, it's been a good run. We had a great three and a half years with Jesus, but now it's time to get our lives back to normal. How many times do we hear that in a church? Boy, you were committed for a while, but the truth is, it's time to get back to normal. Brothers and sisters, I'm tired of normal. Before you get too, too harsh and hard on Peter, let's just personalize this a little bit. Peter got caught in a bad situation, so we think. How long has it been... How long has it been since you found yourself in some kind of social or business event? And those around, those naysayers, in control of the conversation, was degrading the church or your Lord. And what you did is you sat there and was silent. 
Oh, you're John. How long has it been since you sat there and you joined in with them? Yeah, you're right. You know, that preacher, those deacons, that teacher, you know, they're just a bunch of... How long has it been... How long has it been since you failed the test of stickability? When Jesus asks you, do you love me more than these? It's not intended to be an easy question. It's intended to be a hard question that has life-changing possibilities. We cannot love Jesus more than all of this when we continually put all of this ahead of Jesus in our lives. It's a very hard question. Jesus asked us the hard questions. He asked Peter the hard question. If I'm honest, it kind of makes me want to squirm a little bit. When you get asked a hard question, you want to squirm. But I can imagine Peter sitting on the opposite side of the fire, and Jesus looks across and says, Peter, <laughs> truth is I can't even catch your eyes, man. Peter! Do you love me more than these? And I guarantee you that he didn't look directly at Jesus. I guarantee you he kind of stared out to space as he ate his fish provided by Jesus. He goes, you know, Lord, you know, I love you. may not have been what Peter said, but obviously his tone was, hey, you know what truth is? I really don't want to talk about this. What's done is done. Let's leave it in the past. Does that catch anybody? Does that catch anybody here? What's done is done. I really don't want to talk about it. Yes, I sinned. Yes, I messed up. But I really don't want to talk about it. Let's just move on. But that's not how Jesus works, folks. Without wholesale repentance, there is no wholesale forgiveness. Without wholesale repentance, there is no wholesale restoration. Just like Peter, we really want to dodge that question. So just like Jesus did to Peter, he raised the stakes. And he moved it from a hard question to, number two, a hurtful question. Boy, I don't know that I like. I don't know that I like the Lord asking a hurtful question. I call it hurtful Because when we get asked questions that we really don't want to deal with, because they penetrate so deeply into our our lives, they penetrate about our failures, they penetrate about who we are, they cut us to the heart. There is a degree of hurt. You may not like the the thought that Jesus asked questions that hurt, but I'll remind you in Acts chapter 2, when Peter delivered the message, it says that they were cut to their heart. As far as I know, there is very few hurts that hurt as far as, as bad as a heart hurt. Jesus struck them in the heart. But if you go on in the scripture, you discover that he not only asked this one time, he not only asked this twice, but he asked it three times. And watch how he changed. Now, now you We've all talked about the Greek language and all this. And so let's just kind of, let's kind of put, let's kind of pull that out, exegete that out. Peter, excuse me, Simon, son of John, do you agape? Do you love me like God loves me? 
more than all these. Peter says, without looking at Jesus, I'm suggesting, and goes, yeah, Lord, you know I phileo. I like you. Watch this. And then he says, Simon, do you love me? Now, this time, not more than anybody. Now, it's just a question. Do you agape me? Yeah, Lord. You know I phileo you. And then the third time, Jesus changes his words. Peter, do you even like me? Lord, you know everything. You see, the truth is, the truth is Jesus asked that question three times. That was bad enough, but to change the word. I mean, let me just pause there. Ask the question three times. Teenagers, can I give you a hint about something? If your parents asked you a question, did you do this? No, sir. No, ma'am. And they come out and go, are you sure you didn't do this? I just want to tell you, you're found out. You're discovered. And if you give them the same answer again, they go, is that your final answer? Is that what you really want to stay with? The best thing you can do is never to lie to start with, but to come clean. Because Peter was already found out. Boy, that hurts to be found out. But I don't think that's the half of it. I don't think that's the half of what we see here. Look at how he addresses Peter. He says, Simon, son of John. Here's what I want to remind you. Simon carried the name Peter because you know who gave him that name? Everybody say Jesus. Oh, that's almost everybody. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus gave him that name. In fact, he said, you're Peter. And that Peter means Petros. That means a small pebble. And it's on a rock of faith just like this. I will build my church. But now, Jesus doesn't refer to Simon as Peter because something's changed now. Because now there's sin in the camp. Because there's now unrepented of and unconfessed sin. Peter had some spiritual work to do. He had some repentance to offer. He had some choices to make. Friends, please listen today. I wonder if there are some of us in this room that we have some spiritual work to do. We have some spiritual choices to make. I wonder if we're sitting on the seashore around the fire as Jesus, as it were. And I wonder if he looks at us and he says, Do you love me? More than this? Well, let me shorten the question. Do you just love me? Well, do you, do you even like me? Well, Brother Jerry, how does this manifest itself? Perhaps this past week, somebody sat down across the desk or a table at a fast food restaurant They knew you were a Christ follower. They knew that you gave yourself to the church and to the Lord. And they said to you, my life's messed up. And I need some help. And you sat there. Please listen. And you sat there. And you might have offered them some psychological psychology. But you couldn't offer them Jesus because your heart was too far from Jesus. There was too much sin in your life for you to speak to them, and they pretty well knew it. You couldn't invite them to your church, 
because they might actually come. You can't invite them to your Sunday school class because they may sit beside of you and they hear that talk on Sunday and it doesn't match the talk Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And you couldn't provide any spiritual help because your heart was so cold, your heart was so hard, and your heart was so heavy because you knew that you had what they needed. You knew in your mind what they needed and you couldn't spit it out because it was so locked up from sin. That's where Peter found himself. Peter came to that seashore and he had an encounter with Jesus. And please listen, if you don't encounter Jesus on the seashore, you will never, you will never become like Peter. Because Peter on the seashore, a broken man, became Peter of Pentecost. But he couldn't have done it without this experience. So the hard question, the hurtful question, Ask us, do you love me more than these? Some in this room probably think, man, I failed Jesus so bad. There's no hope of being restored. If he asked me that question, I want to say yes, but he knows all things. He knew all things about Peter, too. So see how the hard questions, how the hurtful questions Morph into the helpful question. The helpful question. You see, Jesus didn't give up on Peter. I said that, and I've said this many times, that after Peter's fall, after Peter's denial, it seems to me that the gospel writers, by and large, gave up on Peter. And the Holy Spirit wouldn't let John give up because John had been there. And if Jesus didn't give up on Peter, please listen to me. He won't give up on you. He won't give up on you being what all he wants you to be. Peter finally said to him after the third time, Jesus, you know everything. You know that I've failed. You know when I've succeeded. You know all things. You really know that I love you. I think finally Peter was broken before Jesus. Finally, Peter had come to the place where he was willing to repent of his sin. And Jesus offered him this help. He said, watch this. Most preachers say, feed my sheep. Well, certainly that's it. But did you catch that at the end of verse 19? He said, Peter... If you love me more than these, follow me. Scripture's replete. The Bible is replete with it. If you love Jesus, you will do what he's called you to do. If Peter hadn't been on the seashore, he would have never been on the streets of Jerusalem. If you don't come to the seashore and repent and answer this question, You will never have your net filled with what Jesus wants to fill it with. Jesus asked you. Jesus asked me. Like Jesus asked Peter. Do you love me more than all this? 
how Jesus will respond to you when you say, Yes, Lord, you know all things. You really do know that last night I failed. You know that Thursday night I was a mess. You know that when that person asked me a spiritual question that you have taught me the answer to, that I, you know, I blew it because my heart's so cold. But listen, just like Jesus did to Peter, this questioning can make you strong. Because in your weakness, in my weakness, he is made strong. The question before us today is, do you love me? And do you love me more than all this? Let's pray together.